but also I want to, you know, say that joy is an act of resistance as well, you know. So, you know, gotta gotta get the laughs and the joy in um, here and there. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 133. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a powerful and amazing panel discussion for you. Plus, it's a Monday episode. Yeah, this is a little bit different than anything we've done before, uh, but we are super, super excited about it. And uh, we reached out to Ruby Johnson a few weeks ago, who is one of the co-creators of Poly Dallas Millennium, along with Sharita, who is one of the other panelists on the discussion. But uh, to help us uh, put together... um, a really great resource for the black and polyamorous non-monogamy community. And she definitely didn't disappoint in any way, shape or form. She put together three amazing people plus herself uh, for a, a, incredible conversation. Yeah, the title of today's talk is The State of the Union of Black Polyamorous Relationships in the Pandemic and Uprising. And we have Ruby Johnson, like Finn said, as well as Jen, Sharita, and Dr. Justin Clardy are the other panelists. Yeah, and one of the things we wanted to let everybody know out of the gate here is that this is not a Race 101 podcast. This is a a discussion that, that, as Ruby will talk about, is really targeted at the Black community, but is super powerful and valuable to to just about anybody who listens to it. And it's covering a lot of uh, difficult things that, that we're all going through, but particularly how they pertain to the Black and polyamorous communities. At, yes. this, at the same time, they cover these difficult conversations, but they keep it really, really lighthearted. And you can tell that they're all friends and that's part of the fun of it. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And again, just thank you to all of the panelists for coming on and sharing their stories and experiences over the last few months. Yeah, a really quick programming note too. You'll see that the panelists mentioned a bunch of resources and contact information throughout this episode. You do not need to scramble and write this down, write it down unless you want to. It will all be in the show notes uh, available on her web our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Yeah, and we're not skipping over their intros. They introduce themselves, and that's <laughs> sort of what Emma was referring to there. One final, final programming note. Uh, anybody who's listened to our show knows that we don't like inside jokes. <laughs> and so all of the references to Justin's uh, dad joke competition. We circle back. We circle back and we hook you up with all of the runner-up dad jokes yes. at the end. So so stay tuned. Sorry to rub a little salt in the wound, Justin, but yeah. <laughs> Everybody, we hope you enjoy this. And again, thank you to all of the panelists for sharing your stories. Now let's go listen. Welcome, everybody. We're we're super excited to have all of you here. Our uh, first panel discussion. Our first, our first panel discussion, not without any technical difficulties yet. So we're <laughs> we're on the road to success here. So we're we're excited. We've got Ruby, Sharita, 
Dr. Justin Clardy and Jen, in no particular order of importance, Jen, don't worry. We know you weren't offended. Yeah, no, I'm good. Thanks, though. (laughs) But maybe, maybe if you don't mind going around and introducing yourselves, and then we'll hand it off to Ruby to moderate, and we will pretty much be quiet and, and listen. Well, hey, I'm Sherita Marie. I'm located here in Dallas, Texas. Um, have known Ruby for quite some time. I'm really excited to be here. So thank you all um, for having me. A little bit about myself. Um, I am the co-organizer for Poly Dallas Millennium. Super, super excited about that. So make sure you are on the lookout for all that information. I am also the um, Dallas organizer for Black and Poly. So I host the quarterly events here. In addition, I sit on the Buy Plus uh, panel for Out and Equal in that conference. Um, so I've been polyamorous for, I don't know, maybe six or seven years, but I've been a free spirit my entire life. So non-monogamous my whole adult life. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Okay. I mean, I can't top that, but it's okay. I'll give it a whirl. Hi, I'm Jen. <laughs> I am one half of the Monogamish Pod, which is a podcast about non-monogamy and polyamory, run by two black Jamaican people. And yeah, I'm one of them. Um, I was born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica, just moved to the U.S. like 10 years ago. I have, I guess, been doing non-monogamous things my whole life, now that I think about it. Sharing a boyfriend with my best friend when we were like six, you know, being a couple of triads in my late teen years. You know, I, I did that. I did that. But I've officially been using polyamorous as a descriptor for about like between like six and eight years, you know, who cares about time? That's a thing. Um, yeah, I don't sit on any boards. I don't, I don't plan events. Uh, that's okay though. Sharita, you're doing that for me and I appreciate you. (laughs) Teamwork. (laughs) I guess then, uh, the pendulum swings to me. Um, I am Dr. Justin Clardy. Um, a PhD in philosophy, uh, specializing in normative questions that, arise in the context of uh, political theories as well as uh, interpersonal relationships. So within that context, I have special interest in uh, questions about tenderness, love, um, and the ethics of uh, monogamous or non-monogamous relationships. Um, I've also appeared um, on several different podcasts talking about uh, non-monogamous things, um, as well as you guys might have seen me on the Tamron Hall show. Um, yes. So, yeah, um, I am, I've been poly- about seven years um, now, but like Jen said, right? What is what is time? Um, yeah, and anything else you guys might want to know about me, you will have to follow my socials, which we will probably mention later in the cast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hi, my name is Ruby Bully Johnson. Um, I am a sex therapist and educator here in Dallas, Texas. I am the founder and part organizer for Poly Dallas Millennium, which is a conference that is held annually. We're on our fifth anniversary is in 2020. And like Sharita said, more will be revealed around that. Um, I'm a researcher, educator, writer. I have been polyamorous, well, I have identified as polyamorous since about 2011, 2010, 2011. So I am thoroughly excited to be here. Nice to be with all you folks. And everyone looks beautiful. You can't see us, but we look absolutely beautiful. All these fine shades of melanin. Yes. (laughs) So thank you all for being here. Yeah, and some of us lacking melanin. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. We We have accepted you. You are our you are our token non melanated people. (laughs) Perfect. We are happy. We're okay with that. Happy to be 
happy to be here. Well, as we said, Ruby, we will let you rule the roost and we will sit and listen and we're excited for it. So thank you again to everybody and we will we will maybe speak on the other side. Thank you so much, Emma and Finn. So I'm excited to be here and using this platform to have a conversation about State of the Union of Black Polyamorous Relationships in the Pandemic and Uprising that is going on currently within our society. So I'm going to go around to all of the panelists. We have various questions that we're going to pose to them and they're going to answer. Also, we'll piggyback off of each other. This is going to be pretty organic. It's going to be a nice family conversation and hopefully um, the audience will get something out of it. I do want to let you know this is not a Race 101 podcast. Nah, we won't be doing that. Um, and so we're going to be speaking to our Black community specifically, but all communities, um, I believe, will get something out of this. So we have Sharita, Justin, Jen, and me. So we're going to start with Sharita. You know, I think that's a good place to start. And so, Sharita, I know we had a conversation over the weekend about what direction we wanted to go and do we want to focus on simply education. And so we had a thought, like, maybe not, but you had something different to offer. And you basically use the phrase, the, a cloud of noise. You want to speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know we as a community sometimes will say, you know, I don't have the spoons for that. People need to educate themselves. I'm not here to educate. And whereas I don't necessarily disagree with that, my thought on that is Google is not always your friend. The information that out there is not is the, the, the message that is is out there is not the one we want to be heard all the time. And so I do think that the friends we have, the acquaintances that we have, if they come to us with a question, it's not really harmful for us to give them some education. It's not harmful to maybe point them to the, the correct resources. Um, there's a lot of noise out there. There's, there's a lot of um, filth that I actually don't want people to hear. I don't want them to see. I, I specifically had friends who would say to me, I don't see color. And they really thought that was the way to be. And I'm like, no, you need to see color because you need to recognize what's going on, right? You need to not only say, well, I'm not racist, but you need to be anti racist. It's totally different than to say I'm not something versus to say I'm completely against something else and I'm going to use my platform, use my voice to speak out against that and try to uh, cause some change there. So I, whereas I do agree that our job is not necessarily to have race one-on-one, I do have friends of all backgrounds and ethnicities and uh, I, I'm actually very pleased that they feel comfortable coming to me and saying, hey, I came across this article. What are your thoughts? Is this what I should be doing? How do you feel about that? And I can have those candid conversations with them and say, no, don't listen to that particular person because she's crazy. I don't know what she's talking about. But hey, come over here and um, read this article or let me tell you how this affects me and my children or let me tell you how this could potentially affect you and our relationship. So I'm not actually against educate education, especially when it comes from a, um, a pure place where someone really does want to learn because they want to do better. They want to you know, teach their children better. All right. Thank you. And, you know, and that the conversation around, you know, um, anti-racism and, you know, the counter to anti-black, right? And so I know that we are in this current uprising and we talked about, you know, is it trendy 
for Black Lives Matter right now. And so, Justin, I know that you had something really strong to say about uprising and what does that mean? Um, yeah, you know, um, so for me, you know, I think that uh, political rhetoric or just, you know, public rhetoric in general is, is important. How we uh, talk about things ultimately shapes how we think about things. Um, how we think about things kind of shapes how we might act in response to whatever we think uh, is the case. And so in particular, uh, we've been seeing all throughout the country um, a, a massive risk and the world. Uh, we've been seeing a massive response to uh, anti-black racism in America uh, uh, responding to uh, the death of, excuse me, the murder of uh, George Floyd uh, in Minnesota. And sometimes uh, the language used around it is that, oh, you know, well, people are rioting um, in the streets and, you know, or the people will email me, what do you think about the riots? And, you know, are the riots, you know, kind of productive to the movements and riot, riot, riot. Um, but, you know, I'm always quick to uh, suggest that we begin to think about these things in terms of uh, being uprisings and not riots. I think that to characterize these these uprisings as riots kind of is counterproductive to the movement. Now, you know, to be specific, right, uprisings are intentional acts of political resistance, right, or rebellion, um, whereas, you know, riots are uh, these violent, excuse me, violent disturbances of, of the peace by a crowd, right? And, you know, I think that what we're seeing is, you know, something, it, what we're seeing is an intentional response uh, to to ongoing systemic, systematic injustice um, uh, directed at people who, you know, uh, inhabit black bodies, uh, men, women and trans folks. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think it's important, you know, words mean things um, and they shape how we might act in response to these things. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I was on about a little bit, right? That we, that we're careful to not uh, call these uprisings, these very intentional political acts, um, riots. Uh, yeah. So. All right. And, you know, I know Jen, we discussed also that, it's been it's the perfect storm, you know, the, the pandemic and all that happened with with these murders, you know, many murders that have happened in this country over the last weeks. It's the perfect storm for what we have going on right now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the pandemic has made it so easy, I think, for people to see what was right in front of them all this time. And it's funny because I, there's this skit on Comedy Central, it's relevant, I swear, um, where <laughs> this guy was talking and he says that, you know, well, I think he used the word riots, but we're going to use uprights, of course. He's like, this is not plan A or B. This is plan C. Plan A is we've told people we're being murdered. Hi, we need, we need this to be fixed. No one listened. No one paid attention. Plan B is okay, well, we have evidence. Like, we didn't just tell you we're being murdered. Here's the videos. Here are the photos. Here's everything. Um, it's it's crazy, right? Nothing's being done. He's like, well, now we're at plan C. Now we're at planning rebellions. And if we look at it from, like, a historical standpoint, of course, when we the enslaved were, they weren't rioting for freedom. They were having rebellions and intentional uprisings to disrupt that system. And the pandemic, as it is right now, where everyone's at home, we're all more, I think, hyper aware of death than we've ever been. Because even if you are not affected by COVID personally, you are seeing it in people that you may know. You're seeing it on TV. You're seeing the numbers from all over the world. And now that we're all unemployed, well, not all of us, but, you know, we're all unemployed. We're all out here sitting at home. We're working from home. And 
being visually confronted with this kind of traumatic content over and over again has now allowed us to kind of be like, okay, wait, we, we cannot sit at home and let this happen now that we have a chance to go out there and do something. So I feel as if, yeah, perfect storm, pandemic, everyone at home, death is in front of us 24-7. And this last murder of George Floyd, I think it was really propelled the movement forward at this time. But I mean, since George Floyd's murder, there have been so many others. Right. And I also want to make sure that we're not losing sight of the fact that they're not just black men being murdered. There are trans people being murdered. There are women who are being slaughtered. And I think that we need to be intentional also about how we use this time and talk about these topics. Absolutely. And so thank you, Jen. I think you made some, some awesome points about this being a, a perfect storm and the level of trauma that we are experiencing. There's this, this great book by this author, author Resma Minikim, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, where he actually talks about how that fight, flight, or flee can happen when it comes to racialized trauma, you know, trauma period. And as a black community, we've had a huge impact on our bodies, ourselves, and it's, it's very visceral in, in how we respond. And I'm wondering, you know, there's a couple of parents here um, on the panel. And so how are y'all coping and, and dealing with raising your kids, you know, in this time? How do you talk to them about what's happening? Sharita, you want to go first? Did somebody tell y'all I had children? Yes, you have a, a, a few. <laughs> so, so I do. You know, in my situation, <laughs> my situation is a little different because I have biological adopted and foster kids. Um, and while the majority of my kids are black, I have a white son and a Hispanic son as well. And they all get the same conversation. Um, so we have conversations about COVID and why personal hygiene is a big deal. Um, and whereas other people who have children have maybe raised their children and started their children when they were toddlers, washing their hands and, and you know having proper hygiene. Um, my kids are teenagers. The majority of them came to me as teenagers. And so they came to me not having some of those basic skills and knowledge. Um, so hygiene is always a big thing. And so um, that's something we, we always are having to work on, to be quite honest with you, because I've had teenagers who were used to not being able to take a shower for months. And so getting them to take one like every day or every other day is already like a task. And so now we have a COVID happening and it's like, okay, we really have to wash our hands. We really have to take these showers. We have to wash our clothes. Um, we can't shake everyone's hand. Um, just trying to keep them on task there um, is, 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 a, it's an ordeal. It's not, you know, an, an easy task to be honest. And then when you add on top of that, oh, okay, now we need to have additional racial conversations. And I have to be very cautious um, that I don't make general statements of all white people this and all white people that because I have a white son. And so if I make any negative statements, um, I'm actually talking about him. And so I have to be careful about that and talk about what we have to expect. Um, and then quite surprisingly, uh, my son, who is Caucasian, um, has dealt with some issues as well because he's always around my other children and all his friends are black. And so he's had some um, some comments from police officers and people at school towards him that I've had to address with him as well. And so, uh, so now, you know, we have COVID, so I'm trying to deal with hygiene issues. And now I have um, the murder of, 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 of uh, my black brothers and sisters um, 
and I'm having those conversations. And I know um, we talked earlier about it being trendy, um, but my son asked me, he said, why is it a big deal now? He said, it's been happening. Why do people care now? And I said, frankly, because they're bored. They have nothing else to do. I said, but, you know, we'll take it. <laughs> you know, we'll ride with it. So we're constantly having to have those conversations. And plus, I have teenage boys who want to get out. I've got athletes. They have girlfriends. And so it's trying to, you know, make them understand social distancing, trying to homeschool. Um, it is difficult because I am still working from home. I still manage 30 some odd people and I have my own projects going on. Um, so it has not been easy. Um, not even mentioning my partners. Like it, it's a lot happening, um, but we will survive it. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. For me. Um, yeah. I mean, first let me, let me just recognize and receive uh, Sharita there. Like, I mean, I, you know, I send you more endurance, more love and more life. Um, so <laughs> <Thank you>. for <laughs> me, it, <laughs> for me, it's been a little bit less um, of the, like having to worry about the, the hygienic stuff. Um, my son um, has kind of always like, you know, been pretty tidy um, and so for me, you know, there's always like this race stuff. Um, but before I get to that, I mean, aside from, um, the hygienic stuff, um, he, you know, the thing, the biggest toll it's taken on, on my son is, um, this, the socialization aspect, like not being in school, not being able to see his friends and just sort of like the physical activity that he might get, um, at school doing things like recess, trying to find um, substitutes for that same kind of activity. So he's, you know, still hopefully worn out by the end of the night or, you know, that he's still sort of being able to burn as many calories or whatever, however many calories he's burning, but just be as active as he can be and doesn't develop um, a set like sedentary habits. Right. And so that's been really big um, to that end. You know, he's been jumping rope and uh, we've tried to keep his mind active by building things, building Legos, um, and, and the like. So we've been doing like a lot of different things around the house, but the socialization aspect is, has been tough, especially, you know, as we try to facilitate, um, conversations with him and his friends via zoom, you know, many of them, uh, have siblings and he's an only child. So, um, yeah, he's really kind of taken a, a social toll. Um, but yeah, as it pertains to the, the, the race stuff, um, I'm always pretty uh, vigilant and engaged um, as it pertains to racial discourse, um, anti-black racism discourse in America. And, you know, with my son, we've been having sort of like an ongoing conversation, um, you know, in uh, about what is this? Let me see. He's eight now. So maybe this was five years ago. Um, we, you know, shortly after the death of, uh, Sandra Bland, the murder of Sandra Bland, um, we went, we took to the streets, uh, to March in Los Angeles. Um, and he went to that with me, I think at the, at the tender age of three. Right. And so I was carrying him on my shoulders as we, we marched through the city and, um, it's really left an impression on him. Right. Like, so even in response to the things that we've been seeing now, um, you know, he, he, he'll return, he'll recall, you know, remembering going to, to that particular March and all of the people that were there and, you know, asking questions like, you know, is this related to that? And, you know, why is this stuff still happening? And, you know, so those conversations are, are always difficult. Um, they're difficult to have, I think, because, you know, of the extent to which I have to reflect on a couple of things, my own experience as a black man, as well as, you know, his, uh, experiences as a, as a, as a black boy. Um, but also, I mean, just the age difference, you know, I'm talking to an eight year old about 
uh, very nuanced uh, systems and structures and trying to find the language to 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 meet him is sometimes difficult but um we do the best with it uh that we can and um by and large he's in good spirits and in good health um so yeah we, we we've been trying to focus on that and limit screen time and stuff like that but yeah I, I don't know if that actually spoke to the question but i'm hoping i'm hoping that it does oh it does speak to it Cool. Anything you say, Justin speaks to it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a fan of everyone on this panel, a huge fan. You know, and you know, we are talking about also um being black and polyamorous, you know, being black and polyamorous is not just about romantic connections, you know, it's also about being parents and 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 being uh organizers and being professionals, you know, um, personally, I don't, I don't have kids, but as a professional, I have an opportunity to talk to other families about how you have these conversations during these times. And so I often speak to Jen, you know, about being, (laughs) being a, a, um, polyamorous person and not necessarily having kids but there are still those dynamics that impact Jen you want to speak I mean I guess I don't I have, <laughs> I have, I have, I have two succulents those are my kids right now I right. forget to water them all the time so I'm, I'm a bad mother let's just put that out there <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I will say is that yeah I mean it's there there is a lot that goes into this I mean I do have godchildren and um, mm-hmm. they're just I mean my godson is 10 And so it's kind of difficult having to try to help his parents navigate those conversations sometimes. It's like, because I mean, we're all Jamaica. This is, we were born there. We don't experience racism and race relations the exact same way. So it was like coming here is still a culture shock, even a decade later, if that makes sense. Um, And having those conversations and trying to figure out like, also like not having him watch the news is like really intense. Like I'm, I'm tired of watching black people be murdered on the news. I'm sorry. I I don't know why you think it's appropriate to show videos of people being murdered on TV, but here we are. (laughs) That's a thing that's happening now. Uh, But yeah, as it relates to partnerships and and relationships and also navigating with children, et cetera. I mean, I'm dating someone that has a kid and uh, that is also interesting. (laughs) Also interesting trying to figure out boundaries and um, what kind of conversations you can and can't have in front of a toddler and also <laughs> even even about things like this like even even about race stuff by the way kids are sponges just want to throw that out there i accidentally <laughs> dropped the f-bomb one day and well i heard it come back awkward uh awkward can, can we say fuck i don't know can yeah, we, we i think we can say fuck whenever we want just not okay. in front of the kids right but yeah no i mean th- there's just a lot that we have to navigate in this time and as a being black and poly means understanding that you will have to work hard at every relationship that you have friendship, romantic family, whoever your family may be, whether it's found or, you know, Mm -hmm. your blood relatives and, um, just really, it's hard. It's hard out here. I don't think I'm making sense. I'm just telling you it's, it's hard out here for a pimp. That's what's up. It is. It's hard out there. It is. It is. Pimping ain't easy. Pimping ain't easy. <laughs> but I got hoes in different area codes. <laughs> okay. oh, that's a whole nother conversation. 
I ain't no hoe. No plan. <laughs> That's what you saying now. Is that what you were saying last night? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and you, you gotta laugh. You gotta laugh, right? You know. Speaking of, you know, laugh and just the various things around self care. And I think that's important, not only self-care with ourselves, but, you know, self-care with, with partners and how that works. And Justin, on yesterday, or the, yeah, it was yesterday when we had this conversation, you were speaking about how you are aligned, how you have been focusing on alignment during this time of social distancing, maybe not seeing partners as much, et cetera. You want to speak mm-hmm. to that? Yeah, 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 sure. Um, and I think that the segue uh, that you that you like touched on there, Ruby, was like perfect, right from laughter into sort of self care. But also, I want to you know say that joy is an act of resistance as well. You know, so you know, gotta gotta get the laughs and the joy in um, here and there. Um, yeah, self care has been actually on a hundred um, since you know uh, the pandemic has began. I've been able to like use this time um, as an opportunity to sort of like realign uh, uh my life uh with you know the version of the self that i that i'd like to become right and so toward that end i've been able to run a lot more um and you know scheduling like dates um and times to sort of be with family or see family and things like that has become a little easier um because it's like nothing else well mm, very little in the world is moving right around me whereas uh you know in normal times right everything else is moving around me and that kind of uh contributes to this sense of kind of losing sight of you know um my own like sort of like personal like journey um disciplines yada 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 um but you know since pandemic started it has kind of really been 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 cool um I have been uh, able to sort of sustain my relationships with partners we have designated days where we or we talk or we watch movies or we'll, you know, build Legos or, you know, I'm building Legos with everybody. So, you know, if y'all want to build Legos with me, just holler at me, let me know. You know, I posted something <laughs> funny on my Instagram that said, you know, everybody wants somebody they can build with till it's time to bring the Legos out on date night. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that's real, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm really big into the Legos. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, for me, I am a person who feels like I care best for myself when I can both set and follow like a rigid like schedule or, you know, like I know that today is Tuesday and I know that I have to do, you know, X, Y and Z today. Or, you know, I know that today is Thursday and, you know, I know I got to get a four mile run in in the morning and that'll set my course of the day and stuff like that. So um, it's been really good. You know, it's been really good. Um, I just had like a dad joke battle. Um, which I lost, but, um, you know, speaking to that joy as a, as an act of resistance and, and self-care, I've been able to kind of like, you know, tap into, to, to that stuff. So yeah, self-care has been on a hundred. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, been, it's been a kind of slowing down that I guess I didn't know that I needed, um, until now. So yeah. And you, Sharita, how are you finding pleasure in your life in self-care? <laughs> <laughs> so this yes, is yes indeed <laughs> so this is an area i'm not great in i will say i did start painting though like i'm really into the arts yes. and stuff now so i did start Come doing that. Picasso. yes <laughs> and you know what's funny mm-hmm. is is yeah i do the paintings and i post my instagram and facebook more so just to share with people and the people message me like oh can i buy it no it's mine but now i have like <laughs> 50 paintings around my house and I have no idea like what to do with all these paintings. <laughs> um, 
Um, but outside of that, I mean, it was just more so spending time with my partners, I think. Um, you know, I am a scheduler. And so just kind of having maybe not set days, but having like set times. Like, I know I'm going to see this person at least twice a week. I'm going to see this other person twice a week. We have one day, normally Friday, that we all came together um, just because I was their only local partner that was here. Um, spending more time with the kids. I don't know why I'm working so much, but I don't really think that's a self-care thing, but it, I can focus, right? So if I need to sit back um, with my daughter and watch a movie and she's watching the movie, but I'm actually working, I'm still spending time with her, right? So I'm still kind of feeling what, what she wants me to do, which is just sit there and watch TV with her. Um, I definitely have not been aligning myself like Justin. In my mind, I wanted to lose some weight and eat better, and I just decided I'm still cute with the little 10 pounds I gained. And so I'm going to be all right. <laughs> but yes. a, little, a little cute. A little, a little cute. Yeah, I want to see her, but she's fine as hell. She is fine as hell. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Soaking it up. Well, Guess her up, y'all. Guess her up. I mean, y'all said it. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, so I, I would say that the in general in life, I'm not a self care person. I always say I need to do it, and I just never make the time. I'm more of a take care of everyone else. So I will say, I think focusing on the art and having to actually sit down and not host like a million things for the last couple months has um, allowed me to sleep a little better. Okay. Cool. Cool. Can I you wait? Know, can I follow up on that real quick on the yes. art? So I have also indulged in the art. I've been coloring. I've been painting. And you know, Jen made a, a remark at the outset of the cast today about my my recording setup. So I've been rapping too. You know. So yeah, you nice. to look out for that for that fire. People be like, "Oh, you're a professor." I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a rapper. So that's really how I identify. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I love it. Oh gosh, I was trying to think of something funny. It, it didn't come out right. So that is <laughs> that okay. is that is Jen's niche. You yeah, know, that is me. Um, I am the funniest person in the room always. Yeah, even when I'm not funny. Right. So, <laughs> you know. Um, but, by the okay. way, Justin, your jokes were good. Uh, but yeah, two of hers were just better than yours. I, I voted for you for one of them. So I just I just mm. want to let you know. Yeah, you know, I was, I was going, I was going to talk to you about that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just saying, I, I liked your jokes, but there was just like two of hers. Were, there's, there are three jokes, just so you guys know, and but two of hers were a bit funnier than yours, so you couldn't win. Uh, <laughs> which, I mean, I think that's debatable, but you know, she did win. Um, and I, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I'm, a, I'm gonna just take my L. You know, I felt like. You know, I just felt like my jokes was over people's head. You know what I'm saying? I just felt like they wasn't getting my jokes. Like, <laughs> that's just me, you know. So whatever. Thank you, Jenna. I appreciate you, love. I, I I appreciate you. I mean, like I said, like you say, talk about joy. Yeah, joy is an black joy is an act of resistance. Yeah, try to find joy wherever I can because yes. honestly, there's enough there's enough pain and trauma in the world. I gotta I gotta spice things up. I gotta make you yeah. laugh. Gotta yeah. get a little sexy sometimes too. So yeah. my idea of self care is masturbating. It's great. Yes. yes. I don't think orgasms I've ever are the best. Oh, yeah. May, May was masturbation month. Like, don't <laughs> yeah. get me started. May was masturbation like, month. Trust me. 
I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that if it was possible for something to break or fall off, it probably wouldn't by now. It's been, <laughs> I've been in the house for months, y'all. Okay. That, that, just, that reminds me of like some of those memes of like vibrators that just look so sad. And I'm just like, wait, yeah. what's the ethics of technology here, right? Like, you know, like vibrator rights over here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a time. It's been a time. <laughs> but I have many oh, toys. Fine. I don't, I, I don't only keep vibrators. Okay. I have a, I have an intense toy collection. Okay. Nothing okay. Crazy, like what I'm sure all y'all got, but you know, all right. I'm watching you just. I see your face. I'm watching you. Let me stop. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So, 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 and and you know, Jen, this is this is good because in times of crisis, right? Because we're in a crisis, people respond to crisis in in different ways. Some people are external. Some people are internal. So, which would you say you are? I mean, uh, my job before this was as an international flight attendant. So uh, what I spent a lot of my time doing was traversing time zones nonstop for six years. That was my life. So now, of course, international travel is not really a thing. This is the longest I've been on any single time zone or even in my own house, like ever. Uh, So I definitely have been keeping a lot more to myself in a lot of ways because the nature of the job kind of makes you more social in a sense where it's like, oh, you're getting to know your colleagues, you know, you have to be friendly with passengers, you have to do stuff like that. But I don't know. I think I've just been kind of like staying home, like reading books a lot. Like I've read so many books. I've caught up on TV shows that I've been behind on for the past two years. Um, you know, I took naps. Naps were great. <laughs> naps were excellent. I, I mean, I love a good nap. I, I've been eating. I've been eating good. So yeah, that 10 pounds y'all were talking about, I don't know how many it is over here, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but... <laughs> A couple of things were happening, but I mean, I got these cookbooks. I've like been buying ingredients for recipes and all these things and just been really trying to perfect my taking care of myself in whatever way I can thing. Mm-hmm. So some days it's like, yeah, I'm going to masturbate all day until the shit falls off or breaks. <laughs> and then other days it's like, you know what? I'm going to use my cookbook. I'm going to try recipes. I have a little bar set. So I make signature cocktails now too. I'll let you go. I'm a bartender, not qualified, but like, a bartender <laughs> just, just little things like that you know just i just try to i mean i don't really see my friends obviously because you know outside is crazy like what am i doing out there but i do have like a couple of zoom happy hours going now so i think i've made more intimate connection with the friendships i already have relationships i already have mm-hmm. and then some have just kind of fallen to the wayside which i think is the nature of mercury and all the all the planets in retrograde at the same time one right <laughs> being the great revealer venus is in retrograde that's like a great revealer crazy shit's mm-hmm. happening um but i think this kind of helps you see who is really meant to be in your life mm-hmm. at certain times and i i've been doing that as a part of self-care too just saying right. just reevaluating relationships and seeing what what's there Right. You know, and I, I think a huge testimony to relationships are how people respond in, in time of crisis. You know, one of the things that I have witnessed within the, the black and poly community is that there seems to be this more um, cohesiveness that is that is happening. It's kind of like we're wrapping ourselves around each other. You know, Black Poly Pride has had an event, what, every weekend or something going on every yeah, weekend? Yeah, just about, you know, yeah. You know, and building that intimacy and, and what's going on there. And so how do you respond or how have you seen your partners respond, Sharita, in this time, you know? 
Um, it's definitely been a lot of togetherness. Um, so as I mentioned before, we'd be two designated, you know, date nights with one, two designated date nights with the, with the other. And then I was their only local partner. And so then all of us would get together on every Friday. We'd spend time together. Um, I had a relationship that started probably right before COVID really happens, but January, February, January. I'm going to get in trouble for that. Um, so let's go with January. <laughs> started. And I will say I moved um, quickly with her. And generally, generally, I'm not a move quick kind of person. Um, I'm not a have you at my house, have you around my children kind of person. Um, but what we're going to do, it was COVID, right? So now you do have to be around here. You are exposed to my children. So I think it allowed um, for a lot of intimacy, a lot of growth, a lot quicker um, than I'm used to. I definitely don't fall with the whole, you know, what do you bring on the second date when you're dating a woman and it's a U-Haul, right? Because women move so fast. Um, I definitely do not do that. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Wait, Sorry, what's the second date for that? that? <laughs> you that's a real lesbian thing. I should have used that in my dad joke competition. Yes. That was great. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's a uh, it's not a lesbian lesbian thing. I mean, I'm bisexual, but yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um, so there was a lot of uh, it just it just the trajectory of our relationship. I just think went a lot faster um, that I normally would have done. Um, something I'm always accused or chastised of is not being vulnerable in my relationships, um, especially up front. Um, I think COVID allowed for a lot more vulnerability with both of my partners and discussions about what's going on and how I'm feeling and the kids are doing this and now this is happening. I need to have this discussion. I'm working like 15 to, you know hours a day here and you know, whatever. So there was a lot of assistance and a lot of them wanting to make sure I did self-care. Um, my birthday was in May. Anyone knows me, I turns up for the whole month. The world was yes. the world was made a better place May 15th at 9.01 p.m. And I just want to bless everybody with my presence for the whole month. So, <laughs> but COVID was like, we don't care about your birthday. Um, but my partners came together and they flew my best friend back down here because she just moved to California. Um, they did like a wave so people can come by and just wave to me and just all these little small little things. And then, you know, I'm really into art. They bought me all this art stuff. Stuff. And just it was a, a weekend of just love and time. And so I just really appreciated that. Right. So, I don't, you know, if it hadn't been COVID, that wouldn't have happened because I would have planned my home birthday month. <laughs> they wouldn't have had an opportunity. Um, so just to see them take that space and, and do something wonderful was, was amazing. So um, although COVID, you know, overall is, is a horrible thing. Um, there have been some great things that have come out of it for me relationship wise, even, you know, personally when I talked about um doing the art um as well as just friendships right um Jen kind of touched on that just kind of seeing what 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 relationships stay what's meant to be here what kind of you know stands the test of time so okay Justin so friendships I mean I'll start there I guess my friendships have been steady but I mean admittedly um you know i've i've experienced some sort of like gendered uh like dynamic shifts right so like with my, most of my guy friends the things we would primarily talk about i mean we talk about hip hop of course i mean that's kind of a constant but i mean the rate at which people are even putting out new music and stuff like that is kind of changing but um we also talk about sports and you know due to covid there really aren't any sports although the nba is uh set to resume i believe at the end of this month and I have mixed feelings about that. You know, there's one part of me, the fan, right, looking forward to the restart of the season. 
Um, and, and hopefully, you know, going to witness LeBron James bring, an, bring another title to Los Angeles. Uh, but then the other part of me is, you know, thinking about the ethics, right? Like, you know, w- you know, un- under what conditions uh, might it be appropriate for the NBA to restart and have those conditions been met? And especially with, you know, players speaking out, um, you know, not only in response to COVID, but also in response to the anti-black uh, racism uh, in America, sort of not wanting to come back and play. Um, it, it sort of like contributed to this mixed bag, but um, I've been trying to check in on my my, my homies as, as best I can. Um, we don't have very rigid or set plans, scheduled plans or anything like that. Um, we kind of just catch each other when we catch each other. Um, you know, I talk to my brother pretty regularly, my, my, my pops pretty regularly and stuff like that. But um, so that's been cool. You know, um, on the partnership side, um, I should say that, you know, uh, right now I have uh just two formal partners and um you know i have some tertiary relationships and though i'm about to speak uh, largely to my my formal relationships i do want to say you know to my tertiary uh relata uh that i love you all um and so this i just you know i don't have enough time to talk about every single relationship and so don't blame me blame the podcast but uh no i'm just playing don't, don't blame the podcast thank you for the platform we really appreciate it um but yeah 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 when it comes to like partnerships um you know for me I, i'm in this interesting space right to where um uh one of my relationships is about to turn a year old uh or actually i should say just turned a year old by the time you guys uh probably hear hear this cast uh you know june 30 is is the date on that and then the other of my relationships is uh, fairly new, right? So it's I think turned three weeks yesterday. But by the time you guys hear this, it'll probably will probably be past a month. So you know, mm-hmm. fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, so you know, the the interesting thing is that you know one of the relationships has kind of like well established habits and, and and practices and stuff already. Like having you know been together over a year and kind of spent that time to get to know each other and all this other stuff. That one's kind of like autopilot, not an, not an autopilot in a bad sense where I don't hold myself accountable or we don't hold ourselves accountable for showing up because we very much do. But there's just a lot more familiarity there. And we have a, a, a rhythm um, that hasn't that's only been slightly disrupted um, by by COVID. Um, but the other relationship uh you know, like Sharita said, some good things have come out of it, right? And so, you know, this relationship hasn't moved very fast. I felt like the the, the tempo has been pretty appropriate, um, and in a lot of ways, because you know we had we've had to rely on like Zoom and and text and like phone conversations to do the legwork for uh, establishing like you know our early rapport and our early you know vibe and everything like that. And so I'm a, I'm a sapiosexual anyway. So there's something about that intellectual engagement, that intellectual stimulation that kind of gets me going anyway, but we've been able to sort of like plan like actual dates and like work dates and stuff like that. And it's really just fit, I think, into my life a lot better than it does. Like when, you know, like uh, there's a lot of other different things going on. So, you know, um, I'm pretty sure I, I, I could, I could talk all day about my two lovely, wonderful, beautiful partners uh, and, te- you know, brilliant, um, you know, but I uh, will leave some bandwidth. You're going to get laid. It's okay. Come on now. I almost feel like I need to go back and like re-talk about mine. Like maybe I didn't set that Oh, up. no. Don't even right. trip. Don't even trip. I, mean, I just take care of mine. That's all. That's all, baby. <laughs> oh, I take care. Wow. Okay. All right, wow. now. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, no. and... um. 
we're going to turn it over to um, Jen to talk about boundaries. Um, but before we get there, I just quickly want to share, you know, about for me as a person who is single and not single, I just live alone, you know, <laughs> as a person who, who lives alone, it's, it's been a struggle, right? You know, um, I've started dating online since COVID, you know, and, and that's different. I'm, I'm someone who feeds off of energy and, but I have found that I've had to really let some boundaries down. I had to shift some expectations and what relationships look like. Um, I have to really, you know, develop a new way of being vulnerable intimate, allowing people in that is not based on all touch, you know, it's, it's not based on ne necessarily being in the same physical space is, is built on this virtual world. And it's, it's really a huge learning curve for me personally, also emotionally, it's a huge learning curve. But what I have found is that, you know, um, conversations have gotten deeper, you know, um, because there's so much that needs to be communicated, communicated in a way that that person feels, you know, furthermore, I've had to really take a look at, you know, do I want to live alone? So my relationship anarchy identity has been challenged in all of this, you know, um, I have to take a look at how I'm doing polyamorous relationships. That's been challenged in all of this. You know, I am really thirsty for my kink life. That's been challenged in all of this, mm -hmm. you know, so there's mm -hmm. a whole lot of challenges that have come up as a result of, of COVID. So yeah, it's, it's been a real, real shift for me because of how I'm redefining things in my life. So it's, it's kind of like as a result of the pandemic and the uprising, it's like I'm in this enlightenment phase in, in my life. So Jen, it's all you, boo. Oh, all I, you. I like that. You just like, like, yeah, it's all you. Just throwing you under, that's where it's at. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's good that you brought the point about online dating. Because, I mean, uh, the people that I'm dating now, I met them through the Black Poly Pride online event. So it's all been online. No one lives anywhere near me. They're all in different states, different countries even. So it's kind of like, great, how do you navigate this? Like, how do you maintain boundaries with people when you can't really have... I mean, like it's still, everything's still so new, right? So it's kind of like, do you have a conversation about boundaries? Do you not have a conversation about boundaries? How do we plan this? And then it's not just your direct relationships with them. It's them and their other partners, if they have any, or like any other people they have in their life. So like, how, how do we really navigate this mess of a time with all of our emotional selves in upheaval, so to speak? It's like, yes, we have great loving partnerships or yes, we're starting dating people, but we are surrounded by the trauma of COVID and of the uprising. So how do we really set and maintain healthy boundaries if you're starting something? And especially if you already have something going, like, how do you, how do you keep that? How do you keep those boundaries? Like, do you have to redefine them? And I have, cause you know, I, I'm very similar to Sharita in that I'm very guarded usually. So I, I appear to be an open book and that is by design. I am very great at what I do. So people believe that they know all these things about me and they could tell you definitively many things about me, but those are things you can find on my high five from when I was like 10 girl. Like there's really, it, it takes, it, it is required a bit of reworking for me to kind of figure out great. 
how do I still protect myself the way that I'm used to, but also open myself up to these new experiences, so to speak, during this time? I don't, I don't know if you guys have had issues like, nav- I mean, I, I'm having problems. I don't know if you guys have problems navigating your boundaries in this time period. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Some, someone tell me something. Tell me I'm not alone. So you're definitely, you're definitely not. Um, so one thing I probably have struggled with period is actually having boundaries. I have like two rules. Uh, number one, don't have me out here looking crazy. And number two, don't let somebody else tell me something you should tell me. And then I think I rule number partner. one is universal. Don't have me out here looking crazy, bro. Don't do you, it. You go see crazy today. Don't do it. <laughs> um, but, but what's happened is then I let my partners kind of decide, well, what are the boundaries? How does our relationship look? Um, cause I'm pretty fluid. Right. Um, but lately I've decided, no, I'm not okay with that. I actually started therapy so I can figure out what my boundaries are and make sure I maintain them. And so far for 2020, I've been doing pretty good. Everybody doesn't like it, but it is what it is, right? I'm going to have these boundaries. And if they don't work or we're not able to have a negotiation about this and, and, you know, make it to where the boundaries can still be in place, then maybe we're better off being friends or, you know, not at all, (laughs) whatever. But um, I struggle with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I um for me in the context of my romantic relationships, my formal romantic relationships, um, I haven't really struggled um, with boundaries setting. Um, like I said, you know, one of my relationships is a little bit older, so there's kind of like an established rhythm that we kind of we have policies and sort of like general practices, best practices that we already go by. And the other relationship is so young at this point to where we're we're sort of like trying to erect uh, the boundaries as best we can. So we're still very much in this ongoing process of determining what that will look like for us going forward. But um, it's, it's been pretty good. Um, yeah, it, the difficulty that I've been having, however, is sort of like as like a meta um, and how I might show up as a meta and thinking about the boundaries, um, you know, within sort of like other relationships that are not necessarily my my my, my romantic relationships, but um, you know, like nesting and 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 how do you share space, you know, within a space uh, for every for you know folks to be able to satisfy the needs of their relationships as best they can, but also you know satisfy the needs of the house, you know. Um, and that's that's kind of been a delicate balance, um, um, and it's something that I'm still like very much struggling with because I'm in, I'm very much an individual that likes like my own peace, you know what I mean? And I'm v- just very just like like time and space to myself. So, you know, Ruby, you know, I, I definitely you know feel you on sort of having to encounter thoughts about yourself around what the living situation will will be like for you going forward. Like, oh, will I live alone? Will I not live alone? So on and so forth. Because, you know, COVID kind of has hit me in like a, a different way to where it's just like, ah, I think that's for me. You know, I think that that alone life is like for me. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I, sharing space is, it gets kind of rough. Like, you know, and, and it, it sort of impacts my relationships. Sharia, stop it, laughing. It, uh, it, it impacts my relationships in particular kinds of ways, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, we talked about masturbation earlier, and I'm just like, you know, the bathroom is cool, but I like to change up my ambiance sometimes. You feel me? I like to, <laughs> sometimes you want to like, be in the living room, bro. You know, like, have a roommate, you feel me? You like, exactly, room. right? You know, so, so um, you know, there, there there's that. Um, and I, I'm, I'm learning to navigate that space, but it is, it's definitely been a challenge. Um, and trying to respect relational autonomy and 
trying to, you know, let everyone as best we can be their full selves and, you know, do their whole full relating and all of that shit. So, you know, the, the, the meta ships and sort of like navigating the tertiary relationships have been like the trickiest thing for the boundaries for me. Um, but my, my romantic relationships, we, we, we're pretty solid. And that's a kind of part of the vetting process, though, to me, right? Like, it's like, yeah. how much are we align? Like, I'm not going to formalize you if I feel like, you know, we got some this sort of deep incongruencies, like, you know. Right, right. Yes. Yeah. No, yes. Well, that's, that's why I think yes. I say I'm dating, because I'm still getting to know people. Mm-hmm. Nothing's, like, set yeah. on it. Like, I'm single, but, I'm like, I'm not single. Like, we'll, we'll see what happens. Like, when, when I'm allowed to touch people again, we'll see what happens. Right. This yeah. never works for me. I try so hard <laughs> to be like, let's just chill, right? Let's just kind of see what's going on. And then there'll be one conversation and one statement that's made. And then it's like, well, I thought we decided we were together last week. Where was I Yo, during that conversation? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> where, where was I? Because I feel like I missed it. Did, was I asleep when you had this conversation with me? Like, did you did you forget <laughs> to turn your mic on when you were telling me we were together? Right, that's right, the thing. It's, right. Everything's all online bad. now. Then I felt bad. I'm like, oh, no, 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 you're right. <laughs> why I'm in yes, therapy. You do need a therapist. That's why you in therapy. <laughs> oh, I mean, to be fair, it, it, is, it, it is difficult sometimes. Like, because I think that, I think it's still nice to be asked to be in a relationship with someone. As much as I'm like against it for like many different reasons, I also think this is the best thing. Like, ask me if how I feel, how I want to move forward, how we're going to progress in this time. Like that, that is right. how we do things. I also so, feel like I am not held accountable to anything I said while we were having sex. So I just don't feel like is anyone. Oh yes. That means post, we're together. Post coital <laughs> conversations are always up to discussion. You know, don't, don't hold it all to be true. Post coital, you know, now on online dating is post, you know, sex. Yeah. Po- what, what, what do you call it? Yeah. What, what is it? <laughs> I forget. We used to call it something back in the day. It's cybering. That's what we used to call it back yeah. in the day. Yeah. Cybering. Yeah. Oh. Cybering. Cybering. Yeah. So um, we're going to kind of wrap it up a little bit here. And so I have two more questions. Well, two and a half more questions. Um, Ooh, the, half question. <laughs> you know, um, the question that I have is how have you and your partners or friend friends been supporting each other and how do you ask for help within your mm-hmm. relationships? And so we're going to start with Justin first. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so support one another and asking for help. Um, so supporting one another, you know, like, you know, people who relate to me really understand that I'm big on explicit communication. I'm, I don't do the whole mind reading thing, the whole passive aggressive thing. It's really not that short lived. You know what I'm saying? Like you can come with that smoke if you want to, but I'm not I'm not going. I'm not fucking with it, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I create space, a uh, communicative space for people to be able to articulate what it is that they need from, from me, um, in order to support them. Um, and so like, there's been a lot of conversations like that happening. Um, you know, in one of the relationships, it's a little bit of space, um, because of like their immediate circumstances, which I understand. Um, and then in the other relationship is just kind of like, you know, consistency, you know, remaining consistent with the things that we do have like planned, um, to do and things like this. So, you know, that there's, there's that, um, I've also been supporting, um, my partners, uh, through gift giving, um, people who know me know that like, 
I'm not really a gift giver. You know, I'm I'm more like my presence is a presence. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it's like, so, you know what I'm saying? And you're so humble. You're so yeah, humble. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> so I, I'm not really... <laughs> exactly right um so you know I, i've actually been doing a bit more gift giving which is 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 very unnatural for me but it has felt good i've really appreciated their expressions of appreciation like that's been nice right like so running shoes on the one hand and then books on the other hand i'm just like you know just trying to do my do my little piece um and then, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, that's kind of how, I, you know, we support one another. Um, they also check in with me and, um, yeah, send me recipes, uh, making sure that I'm eating, making sure that I'm also, like, developing my my culinary skills because, you know, in a lot of cases, I do the cooking for, you know, for us, you know. So they're like, you know, oh, this look good. I want to try this. Like, well, try it, bro. Like, why are you telling me? But anyways, um, as it pertains to asking for help, um, yeah. So how do I ask for help? I typically just ask for help. Uh, like I was saying a second ago, you know, explicit communication is is is, is a big deal for me in, in my relata. So um, I will just ask. Um, I've had writing deadlines um, during COVID where I've sort of asked for more space and understanding. Um, if I'm not able to like do the things that I say that I'm going to do, which is another thing that is big to me. Right. Like um, but it's been like some minutia that I've been held accountable for. Like, you know, I'll be on the phone. And I'll be like, all right, look, I'm gonna call you back later. Um, and then I'll call back maybe like two days later or whatever. And then, you know, it was like, well, you didn't call me back when you said you were and blah, blah, blah. blah. I was like, well, nah, I said later. I didn't say when later, you know, but um, but yeah, like, you know, those, those things have been like more like. You know, well, actually, like that's that's new, though. Like that's only when I'm like <laughs> under like deadlines, you know, but but in general, uh, like, you know, they, for real, for real, for real, for real. You know, they'll, they'll bounce. I think I got Sharita got her hand up, Justin. I think Sharita oh, got her hand shit. up. She I got a question. Did I, I, I forget to, to call you back? No. <laughs> I, just, I need some clarity because you know dating me is like a job like if i don't hear from you it's like a no call no show and you fired so i'm trying to understand like you yeah. said i call you later and later can mean like over a stand of days i just wanted to i want to make sure my my, my microphone and stuff was working well, i could hear you properly. well yeah 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 so not like so not so i so there's a distinction for me between like i'm gonna call you back and I'm going to call you later. So when I say I'm going to call you back, you know, people who relate to me know like, okay, it's coming within the, you know, the next couple hours or something. You know what I'm saying? But if I say I'm going to call you later, that might be tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It won't be like, it won't be like days, days, like before you hear from me. You know what I'm saying? It won't be like three. Three is a bit excessive to me. But I do like that 48 hour, you know, grace period. But that's what I'm saying. I asked for more understanding, oh. right? Like, you know, at the outset, I need help. I'm asking for help. That's what I'm saying. I'm <laughs> like, so happy you communicated that. And there was a discussion that everyone is aware. I'm, I'm proud of you for that. Sharita. But actually, you know, I was trying to chill with Sharita, though, because, you know, this whole like, oh, one chill, like, we got to set some time up, you know? We got to set some time up. <laughs> but yeah. when you call me back, it's like 24 hours, though. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> You definitely don't want to date me, Sharita. We already had that conversation. You know, I don't require daily communication. You know, mm-hmm. you're not good. surrounding and, and be unfriended on Facebook. <laughs> we not. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, let, me, let me check my Facebook right now, actually. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Jen. Me? Yeah. What I do? 
Jen, the support, question is support and help. Support and help. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know what this asking for help thing y'all are talking about is. I don't know what that is. Like you're saying words does not compute. Th- those words don't register in my mind. Sorry about that. Right. Um, Hard time asking I, for help. <laughs> I, I, sorry, did you say ask for help? I, I, are you asking me for help? <laughs> Just to clarify. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do. I, I, it's almost impossible for me to ask for help. Sorry. It's, it's, it's a, it's a flaw. And I say it's a flaw because, and it's a flaw that I've seen in many women, but in black women, of course, for sure. Cause that's where I grew up around. Um, I was raised not like by a single mother, but like by a single mother, but I've also never seen her ask for help. Like ever. No, she was married at one point in time, but like they broke up, they divorced and stuff. So like she's single again. See what I mean? Like, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I've never seen her ask for help. Ever. Not ever. And so it is not a part of my experience to ask for help. Like if I'm asking you for help, it means that I'm probably dying. Like literally like I'm on my last breath and it's like, can you close the door sort of thing? (laughs) Um, but, uh, no. And when it comes to supporting and just like support for people, I'm supporting queen. I support you all day. Like that, that is, that is my, my role in friendships, I believe. And in maybe not as much in romantic relationships. Cause I guess there's like mutual support probably because I'm only dating women right now. That's a thing. Like we don't really ask for help. We just kind of like intuitively support each other in different ways. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And dating men is weird dating, though. Yeah. Dating black women. Yeah. Oh yeah. We are, we're, we're on top of it. We're kind of like, Oh, you had an exam today. How did that go? Like, Oh, you know, I remember last week we talked about you going to the farmer's market this week. Like how did that go? Like we are real good at that. Yeah. We're yeah, on top absolutely. of it for, for each other but not like for ourselves first right like we don't right. we don't allow that kind of kindness for ourselves we just kind of intuitively offer it to each other and right. to other people i guess within the circle but right you know, like i said yeah awkward sharita mm. 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 wait a minute i feel prejudged <laughs> 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 it's not prejudged if we know we're right <laughs> <laughs> Well, excuse me. I will start out by saying that I do a wonderful job showing up and helping other people. I think I thrive in that area. I love to support and help other people, whether it's, um, you know, girlfriend had a hard day. Let me send you some cookies or boyfriend wants some cupcakes or let me swing by the house and do some laundry for you or let me wash your hair. I can do all the things for you. It just so happens I have the ability to do all the things I need for myself and I don't have to ask anybody for anything because I can just get it done on my own. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and it's interesting, Jen, because my parents have actually, they've been married for 38 years. Um, and I don't know if I've ever seen my mom ask for help, but it was just more so her and my father just moved together. They had a groove, right? It was never any kind of gender roles in the house. They just, you know, worked together to do everything. My dad used to, I was a daddy's girl. He did my hair, you know, I'm a little pigtails and stuff. And so I am just um, used to, to just doing, I don't see people asking um, either. And so I can recognize when someone else needs some help and I jump in there and do it. And I think I get that from my parents, just recognizing when someone needs something and just jumping in there and doing it. Um, so if somebody doesn't recognize it for me, <clears throat> maybe my fault with that whole not being vulnerable thing, but whatever. Um, if they don't recognize it, I'm just going to get it done. I don't have time to ask you to do it. And then I'm probably not going to trust that you're going to get it done the way I want you to get it done. So there's no need for me mm-hmm. to set you up for failure. Um, and so I'll mm-hmm. just do it myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, you know, and, and asking for help, it's, uh, 
you know, it's that thing where I don't want to be disappointed and I don't want to extra ass out. So I'm not going to ask you for shit, you mm. know? And so that, that's me is, it's, it's kind of like in my mind, <laughs> I, I'm trying to help you out <laughs> by not asking Let me you for help. help. You. <laughs> Let me help you. Now, does that make any sense? Probably not, but it, it's made sense in my world up until COVID, um, <laughs> you know, because I have had to ask for help. You know, during this time, you know, I have a um, a um, seizure disorder. So and I live by myself. So I have actually had to tap in to people and seek help and ask for support. And, you know, it's still hard and I'm just still overwhelmed by people actually helping me. It's, it's uncomfortable. You know, it's, it's really uncomfortable. But as watching my mom, you know, as a black woman and she was ultra dependent on my dad, my dad paid all the bills. My dad, you know, took care of the house, um, you know, and so she got an allowance. And then when my dad left, she didn't know how to even balance a checkbook. And she taught me growing up, do not ever get your ass in this position again. I always know, bam, bam, bam. And so that that's kind of carried over to my own detriment in many ways. So it's a new skill that I'm practicing, you know? And so when I said that this has been a time of enlightenment for me at 47, you know, it's kind of like I'm maturing in, in some ways, you know, things are falling off and things are being added on. So that's, it's really cool. So last question. In 30 seconds or less, give the world 30 seconds of golden nuggets that they can carry after they leave this podcast, starting with Jen. Why you got to do me like that? I don't... Jeez. I'm going to use my whole 30 seconds being shocked and appalled at you for asking me first. <laughs> I think I should cede my time to Justin. Justin. Everybody wants to follow Justin. Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, Justin goes first. I mean, y'all might not get no nuggets, but y'all gonna get a whole lot of sauce. But anyway, wow, um, that was still a lame joke, Justin. I love the dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was a good joke, Justin. Thanks, Jen. I mean, I, mean, I was trying to win you over, but anyways, uh, like my 30 seconds. I mean, I don't got too much time. Um, I just want you know, we talked a little bit about uh, this current moment, um, and sort of whether or not BLM is trendy, whether or not sort of activism and uh, these uprisings are sort of like a trendy moment, right? And I think that. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with the trends. We need to take advantage of the trends um, if, if they're going to be here. But the question for me is, uh, what does the sustainability of the movement like look like beyond this moment? Um, whether that's, uh, you, you know, you being a media platform, whether that's, uh, you know, sort of like more at a grassroots level. How can you become engaged in your local community, so on and so forth? I think that these are the conversations that we need to uh, have. Uh, going forward. And before I get out of here, I just want to give you all my socials, which are pretty consistent across all platforms. At This is Dr. Justin Clardy, and it's at Your Fave Philosopher. That's U-R-F-A-V-F-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-E-R. So I went fast. Y'all can rewind it or pause it or rewind it and pause it. I look forward to getting your follow. Okay. All right. Jen, you ready now? No, it's Sharita's turn now. Sharita. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I think what I'll say is during this time, there's a lot of information, a lot of Facebook posts, a lot of people get their information from social media. And I just want to make sure that we pay attention to what's being put out there and we make sure it's accurate. I don't want us jumping on bandwagons. Sometimes, th- sometimes things are not accurate. I remember, you know, specifically there was this, uh, this post that came out maybe a week or two ago and all of a sudden everyone was like, Oh, let's boycott Wendy's, let's boycott Pizza Hut, like these, you know, these, these food chains. Um, but it was one individual who was a CEO of a company who happened to own a couple of franchises um, that had did whatever action people were appalled by. So if that's the case and you want to boycott, then boycott those specific ones. But remember that those specific ones probably also employ Black people. So we've got to think things through. We got to be consistent. We have to make sure that we are not just jumping on bandwagons and just following what someone else told us to do. Um, we just need to be, we need to do our research. No, honestly, we need to do our research and make sure all of our movements are strategic and that they have a plan and like Justin say that they're sustainable. And if you want to find me, my name is Sherita Marie. I'm Sherita Marie on Facebook. I'm Marie Sherita on Instagram and Sherita Marie on Twitter. And it's C-H-A-R-I-T-A Marie M-A-R-I-E. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm ready now. I'm ready now. You can, you can, you can, you can put me in, coach. I'm ready now. Okay. <laughs> now that I've heard all the other great responses, I want people to think about how they're showing up in their relationships with other people of color. So whether you are a less melanated person <laughs> or not, how are you showing up in your relationships for black people in this time? And how can you be an actual ally? Because we can all throw the word ally around. It means a lot of things to a lot of different people. But how are you actively showing up, supporting Black people, stomping down on racism? Because, I mean, we can't just, like, kick it. We got to stomp on it. Like, what kind of person are you in this time? And if you are not where you want to be, like Sherita said, like, look for accurate information. If it means phoning a friend, you got to phone a friend, but an actual friend. That's also really important. Don't go phone in the random Black person you met six years ago and you still have their number in your phone book. That's not how that works. <laughs> it, it is not the random black person's responsibility to educate you. I am sorry. <laughs> this is what I feel like. If you have actual friends who are black people and they're willing to have these conversations with you, have it with them, but don't expect it from them because these things are traumatizing for us. We can't always be that person giving you the validation you need going forward. So yeah, that's what I think. Okay. Um, my, my favorite thing, I think one of the, my favorite things that was said and everything was fantastic. And I want to thank the panelists. Y'all were fantastic and I couldn't have asked for anything more. And I think our community is going to be so appreciative is that joy is an act of resistance. Mm -hmm. And so that's my nugget, um, that I want to reiterate and give to you that Justin said earlier. Also education is the key was what Sharita said, and Jen, allyship, and the importance of allyship. So mm-hmm. you can find me at, at Black Sex Geek on Instagram and Twitter, or you can find me at, at Polly Dallas, P-O-L-Y-D-A-L-L-A-S, on Instagram, also on Twitter, and on Facebook, the exact same handles. So Poly Dallas Millennium, we're going to be online this year for 2020, November 6th through the 8th. And so I will look for, uh, I look forward to seeing you.
So that's it. Thank you. All right. I forgot to say where I you could find me. Duh. See, I'm so bad at this, guys. I don't know why you had me here. Well, I'm Jen. It. You can find me on Twitter <laughs> and on Instagram at monogamishpod, M-O-N-O-G-A-M-I-S-H-P-O-D. Um, that's really where you'll find me the most. Sorry. You can also listen to the podcast. We're pretty much everywhere. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you yeah. so much. We're going to chime back in here for just a second. Um, thank you so much for all of you, you know, Ruby for uh, putting together this amazing panel for having this discussion. We couldn't be more appreciative. Yeah. A couple of quick things for anybody who is feverishly rewinding, pausing or doing both. We'll have links to everybody's, everybody's everything in the show notes for this episode. Uh, so you will be able to find those easily on our website. And I wanted to just really quick build, uh, I know we're, we're questions are over, but the formal questions, but I wanted to build on the joy question and ask what the dad joke was that, that <laughs> came in runner, runner up. I yeah. Think dying to know. <laughs> yeah, Justin, what, 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 tell, tell him your dad jokes. You have to know. Okay. So the first one was. I used to think that flat earth theorists were afraid of the truth, but I later found out that they were, that they were only afraid of sphere itself. Like, Oh my God. Sphere, right? like, like that's sphere, that's not, right? the, one, that's like, not the one I chose him for. Just you guys know. That's, okay. That's okay. Okay. Hold on. Here we go. So 2019 and 2020 got into a fight. <laughs> what do you think happened? Well, 2021. That was the one I chose. <laughs> that was the one I chose because that was worth it. I like that. Oh my gosh! And then, I wanted... and, then, and then the last one was, you know, my, my my partners my partners always say that I have two problems. The first is that I don't listen, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> listen, you had some really really funny jokes, but I gotta t- listen. Like those were horrible. Jokes... <laughs> I love a good dad joke. Ruby's like not my corny. Homie. You don't find him funny, okay? I love corny. I'm corny. I like corny. I like corny. So I'm in. Thank I'm down. I'm teasing. I'm Okay. All awesome. Right. Well, thank you, thank you, Justin, for obliging, and and <laughs> honestly, for to everybody for everything. We're 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 honored that you all came on and had the discussion, and we're happy to. Uh, make space for it. So yeah. thank you, and good, good. we will bid you all a wonderful evening. And we're back. Thank you to Ruby as well as Jen, Sharita, and Dr. Justin Clardy. We could not be more thankful for having all of you on the show and being able to share our platform. Yeah. Again, as Emma said, I just wanted to reiterate thank you as well. And you all are always welcome back on the show anytime you want. And in fact, one of you has already taken us up on it. So we've recorded an episode with Jen that'll be coming up in a few weeks. And we're really excited about that. So yeah, stay tuned. Up next is our regular programming on Wednesday. We have an interview with Kate and Chris. Yep. In two days. Two days from now. So we will see you then. In the meantime, uh, feel free, head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and you'll be able to find links to everything that all of the guests talked about, plus how to find them and all of the great things that they're putting out in the world. Yes. So go check that out. And thank you so much for listening. 